Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thanks very much to Matthew for the last uh, couple of hours on home. He'll be back tomorrow evening from four. Welcome to the Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide show number 240, the first one of 2023 with the latest tech news. And then we'll look at some of the news from the Consumer Electronics Show 2023. But in the meantime, let's take a look at this week's uh, technology news. Um, we'll start off in the world of gaming with uh, Steam. They've hit a, uh, uh, a new maximum number of concurrent users uh, record. Yep, they've uh, beaten their own record again. Uh, this time, 10 million concurrent in-game users and 33 million active sessions over the past weekend. Just pretty impressive stuff. Uh, they only passed the 30 million concurrent uh, user number in October, so uh, they've uh, certainly managed to increase that quite well. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I guess it has become one of the more popular gaming platforms for a lot of people because of the, the vast library of games available across the platform. Yeah, and it does seem to be one of those stories that we sort of <laughs> roll out every few months as it happens again and again and again. Um, it's one of those records that we're we're definitely seeing broken on a, uh, a fairly regular basis. And uh, I, I have to say, so some of it is a little bit sort of how much it, uh, it, it people actually spending time in stream uh steam sorry uh versus how much time they're spending you know with steam open or happen to have some application open that that uses steam as a back end uh, nonetheless it, it's clearly a number that's moving upwards and uh, uh they're continuing to do uh, do pretty nicely out of that uh moving on to uh, the world of mobile phones uh samsung uh, this used to be something we'd talk about uh, as part of CES and uh, MWC, the, uh, what was formerly the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Um, they used to launch new devices as part of that. A few years ago, they moved to uh, their own Samsung um, Galaxy Unpacked events, uh, and this year is no exception. That seems to be slated for uh, for 1st of February and we're already starting to see some uh, some possible details coming out of uh, that around the, the latest in the Samsung Galaxy range of smartphones. We're up to uh, the S23 23 Plus and 23 Ultra all uh, all launching that uh, that day. Yes, uh, obviously the 23 being this year's variant and flavour, uh, which means it'll have more of things. Um, so there's details um uh, slowly leaking out, but uh, it looks like there'll be uh, three different colours available, white, black and a pinkish, uh, reddish, bronzy type colour. Um, as you said, a, a 23, a 23 Plus and 23 Ultra, so the three different sizes, looking like there'll be a bunch of cameras on the back, same as uh, previously. Uh, but interestingly, it looks like they're going to be dumping their own Exynos chipset in favour of Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 which um, is quite an interesting change. Uh, but we'll talk a bit more about what that could bring to Android phones in 2023 in a short while. Yep. Uh, moving across into the Apple world, uh, no, no stranger to uh, to the latest news from, uh, from Apple's mobile devices here, of course. Um, but now it looks like the iPhone SE, this was... I don't know what it, yeah, you know, whether it was a sort of backronym for small edition or, or something along those lines. But it, but it was, version. it was the, yeah, it was, it was the 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 cheaper one, um, cheaper, smaller, 
few, yeah, a little bit less performance, still a very capable smartphone. Of course, that looks like that's reached uh, reached the end of uh, uh, the end of its run. Um, we're we're getting uh, yeah get, getting the models at the moment still, but it looks like. Uh, this is probably going to be the last year that we're going to see the iPhone SE not looking like that's going to continue into uh, into 2024. I guess maybe maybe concentrating on the higher end of the market. Maybe yeah, maybe people are keeping phones um, longer. And of course, we've yeah, we've still got this ongoing supply chain shortage uh, <laughs> affecting pretty much everyone who uh, who makes any electronic equipment at the moment. No and doubt, po- going to possibly- be uh, not not helping possibly some of the stuff around USB-C requirements could have impacted some of those decisions and uh, we might have to wait and see what they come up with if they do come up with an SE in the in the new series once they've finished sorting out all of those interface issues. Yeah, and I I, I wonder if it, they're going to sort of come out with a new uh, a new budget device that just doesn't follow that naming convention, whether it's going to be a smaller one, whether it's going to be a um, yeah the same physical packages uh as the sort of the the, the main <laughs> the the bigger brother iphones um but with a less powerful processor whether they're going to even perhaps just keep selling the older generation for a while after they uh after they launch the new generation and make that the budget one so yeah that means you don't have to maybe ramp up production quite as quickly of the uh, the new offerings you just keep selling the old one alongside it and yeah, knock a hundred quid off the price for that. So, uh, wait and see what happens there. Heading over to uh, the Fitness Plus service from Apple. So this is the uh, uh, the the sort of you know activity tracking, health data, that sort of thing. That's something they've been been pushing for a little while. Uh, sometime back, they they added some uh, some more integrations with with other bits of uh, of digital health hardware, um, and it's being expanded again. Yes, this is the N999 subscription service, which is basically like having a personal fitness coach in your pocket, uh, adding new features for uh, use on phones and Apple Watches. So they're adding things like kickboxing and also sleep meditations, uh, adding to things like yoga and strength training. training. Uh, Also adding a lot more music integrations with various artists. So Beyonce has been added to the list of artists who joins the likes of Taylor Swift and the Rolling Stones that uh, basically synchronizes workouts to various musical selections. Oh, that's uh, that's quite a neat one. Uh, now we uh, we talked uh, a few months back about the 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 little feature they snuck into the uh, to the latest iPhones um, uh, that didn't really get mentioned before uh, before it had been launched, which was the ability to do emergency so SOS messaging um, via the Iridium satellite constellation, and and no one seemed to spot this before it actually went live. Um, so the idea here is if you're out and about and you're in an area without mobile phone coverage or the network's unavailable for some uh, some reason, you don't have Wi-Fi. Um, then you can send uh, an emergency message with your location uh, via the Iridium satellite constellation. And this has uh, global coverage. The satellites will uh, literally go over uh, every spot in on the Earth's surface. Um, and that, that hardware got built into the latest iPhones. Not to be outdone, Android um are now or android devices are now looking like they might be uh, might be getting that capability as well um this is via uh, qualcomm's latest chipset so qualcomm make uh as we just mentioned in that samsung um 
article just then uh, make the chips that feature in pretty much I won't won't quite say all but it's it's certainly the majority of Android smartphones um, and their latest uh, chipset now has iridium capabilities uh, yes. as part of it at uh, at CES 2023 Qualcomm announced Snapdragon satellite which uh, is part of their eighth generation uh, a Snapdragon 8 generation 2. Uh, processor, which is likely, as we said earlier, to be in the Galaxy S23 range, possibly also OnePlus's uh, Series 11. And the interesting thing is they're saying it's going to be a bit more than just emergency comms. They're going to actually be able to enable two-way text messaging. So you'll be able to uh, actually do more than just go help. You'll be able to send messages. And of course, Iridium's coverage is pole-to-pole global coverage. So quite uh, a good amount of coverage possible you will have to be outside to use this your phone will have to have a clear view of the sky to be able to actually access the satellite now we should put some caveats on this uh which is first of all that just because qualcomm built it into their chips doesn't necessarily mean that the uh the the device manufacturers the likes of oneplus and uh, and samsung will necessarily expose that functionality or put the other hardware in around it so it's it's not just the the kind of the main processor of the phone that needs to support this you also have to have the antennas and various support circuitry and the contractual relationship um, with Iridium, certainly you know, Iridium are, are a very well-established player, um, mostly in the kind of uh, more industrial commercial markets, uh, things like the shipping uh, industry. And I think we, we're still going to have to see, especially with the likes of that two-way uh, messaging, who's going to pick up the cost for that? How's that going to be managed? Is it going to be something you have to opt into via your, your mobile phone provider? Or is it something you pay uh the mobile the device manufacturer for it's it's certainly not innately got anything at all to do with your your mobile phone contracts it's it's going over a completely different network um so i think there's still quite a lot to be uh to be seen there and certainly don't expect to be uh, able to to send whatsapp or uh, or telegram messages over iridium satellite anytime too soon uh without paying quite a lot more money for it Yes, but the convenience of being able to send a text message from anywhere where you might be out of range, I think, is going to be an interesting thing to see. And I think manufacturers are going to be probably going that way because everyone will go that way. A bit of news from the Microsoft camp, some end-of-life notifications, Uh, Windows 7 as well as Windows 8 Enterprise Edition. These are mainly used in the corporate space where you will have been paying extra maintenance to allow you to receive updates for those products. Well, the end has arrived. Yeah, uh, finally. I did. Yeah, it's 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 had a good innings, Windows Seven. I, I think Windows Eight, perhaps we we'd all prefer to sort of pretend never existed. But Windows Seven has, has served us well. Um, but realistically, yeah, Windows Ten's been out for for quite a number of years now. You, yeah, I would I would argue that most environments should have already been there several years ago. Um, obviously, in some enterprises, that's harder to do, especially if you're working with. Um, sort of specialist hardware maybe in uh, a health or or uh, science industries um but yeah if if you're still seeing windows 7 on windows 8 on your uh, on your work desktop maybe just give the it department a little bit of a nudge saying is it time to go to windows 10 or 11 yet <laughs> it, it probably is 
Might be new hardware, but anyway, none of that is a bad thing. Security is better on the newer operating systems as well as them being uh, more stable and, and more functional, as well as generally offering better performance with newer hardware. Yep. Um, now, on the, we're, we're talking satellites quite a bit uh, today, uh, but this is the, the slightly different side of things, which is the first satellite launch. You might have heard this in, in the national news. Um, the first satellites uh, are due to be launched from Cornwall <laughs> tonight. We're normally used to, to SpaceX launching from, uh, for, from the US um, and then landing back again. Um, but no, we're, we're going to be uh, doing our first satellite launches on uh, Virgin Orbit. Uh, this yes, evening. this is an interesting launch platform. Uh, basically, you strap your rocket to the uh, to a Boeing seven four seven, fly it up to cruising altitude of thirty five thousand feet, and chuck the rocket off into orbit. I, and I, lo- I love the idea, as well as the fact that apparently <laughs> there is nothing that a seven forty seven can't do. Uh, yeah, the, it, it the, the, what's space it? Space shuttles when they were first. It, exactly, is it 80s. a 40, 50 year old uh, design now? Um, uh, and it, and it still might be getting older. Yes. Yeah, still apparently going strong. Um, so that that should be uh, should be launching later today. Fingers crossed that uh, that all goes well. Um, the the launch taking up the the usual mix of uh, civil and military satellites um uh, as well as some some little uh, cubesats uh so this is uh one of them being built by spaceforge uh over in cardiff um and yeah i think it's it's really interesting to see the development of this that they keep talking about a spaceport up in the north of Scotland as well. Different types of satellite launches Cor- from Cornwall there. Cornwall said, no, us first. Yeah, <laughs> I- exactly. So I think it's really quite uh, quite exciting that, that the UK space industry is uh, is having something of a, a resurgence and uh, developing some, uh, some, some good uh, infrastructure and technology over here. Yeah, the Scottish sites think that they should be able to get some vertical rocket launches by the end of the year. Yes, I, I think that was last time I read it was subject to planning. Um, personally, I'd love the idea of a rocket taking off the, <laughs> down the road from me, but I, I can imagine it might be a little bit of a noisy proposition as well. <laughs> yes. And uh, lastly, of course, things that go up like satellites sometimes have to come down when they reach their end of life. Yeah, and this is uh, NASA's 38-year-old uh, satellite, the uh, Earth Radiation Budget Satellite, uh, which re-entered the atmosphere um, last night just off of Alaska. Uh, and yeah, this is going to be an increasing problem, particularly with some of the mega constellations. We've got uh, some thousands of Starlink satellites up already in orbit, tens of thousands in the final constellation sizes, one web the UK uh satellite operator seeking to launch similar you know similarly large numbers of satellites there is a lot of stuff up there and you know at some point it gets to the end of its useful life what do we do with it so i think you know successfully bringing things back down to earth non-destructively without anyone getting hurt without leaving too much junk up in space uh for the next generation of satellites to or or indeed you know, uh, crude space vehicles uh, to interact with is uh, is definitely good news. I guess we're just going to wait for SpaceX garbage collection to uh, get going. Yeah, and, they, uh, they do have plans for it, uh, to, <laughs> yes. to be fair. Yes. Uh, the uh, ERBS satellite um, was uh, supposed to only collect ozone data for a couple of years, but managed to go on for about 20 years longer than that, 
when wow. they retired in 2005. So um, obviously those engineers were quite happy with what they managed to build. Yeah, very much so. Uh, interestingly, the uh, the FCC, this is the US uh, communications regulator, uh, was consulting on a, a possible five-year maximum lifetime uh, of any satellites that aren't in geostationary orbits. Uh, so this is the, the low Earth orbit Starlinks and medium and Earth. So yeah, so the likes of Starlink. Um, currently, it's 25 years, uh, so potential to reduce that to five years, presumably just building in that uh, kind of deorbit and, and decommissioning plan forcing that to be considered right up front rather than uh, being launched by companies that may go out of business over a 25-year period and not be around to uh, to tidy up after themselves. Yes, yes. Uh, interesting. I guess we can just look up and watch. Yeah. Um, all the details from CES 2023 coming up next. Cambridge 105 Radio. New to Cambridge 105 Radio. Queer Cambridge, a programme for the LGBTQ community. There's topical discussion, a look at queer news nationally and locally, and the lowdown on LGBTQ events in the city. Queer Cambridge, Wednesday at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. Do you already have a solar energy system or an electric vehicle on Octopus Go? Are you looking to beat the cost of living increases? A battery storage system from Residential Renewables can store your excess solar electricity. It can even store national grid power overnight when it's cheaper for you to use during the daytime when rates are higher. A Residential Renewables battery storage system can help you reduce your carbon footprint, increase your resilience to power outages. And if you're on Octopus Go with a six-hour window to charge your EV overnight, our systems can make savings of up to £5 per day on your household electric energy bills. Our systems come in a range of sizes to suit your energy needs and all come with a 10-year warranty. To find out more and to arrange a quote, email james at residentialrenewables.co.uk or visit residentialrenewables.co.uk. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business and you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. Cambridge 105 Radio. Where you're listening to The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. And we're talking about CES. Uh, so this is the, uh, the, the event held over in Las Vegas as well as online. Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show was its original name. The, now broadly just calling it CES and it covers basically everything doesn't it pretty much anything with a plug on it and <laughs> some things without plugs yes uh, so this is owned and produced by the consumer technology association and as you said features anything almost with a plug on it because these days a lot of wireless things a lot of internet of things things and it is a showcase for companies to show off their latest toys and products uh, to consumers as well as to industry buyers and industry partners. So sometimes it's just technology that other industry partners could take and incorporate into their products. Sometimes it's a finished product that consumers could see on 
showroom floors to actually purchase from your favourite electrical wholesaler. Because uh, and I, include everything from 3D printing through to uh, car audio to smart automobile and, and, and smart driving systems to gaming and esports. It's always interesting to see what you know what's out on the show floor and what isn't, particularly compared to <laughs> compared to previous years. Yeah, we we've talked about uh, things like three D televisions and four uh, K, and one of those was was a big thing for a year and then vanished, never to be seen again uh, or never to be talked about <laughs> well, again. And the other one 3D is three D and and curved TV seems to have quietly disappeared. Exactly, and and four K is just now run of the mill it's it's not something anyone's particularly excited about thing is the the analysts are now saying that 8k might not be a thing and uh, we've talked about this in the past i i think for most people in the the sort of the size of viewing area that you can get in most homes it's it's dubious whether it's worth it um anyway that aside what is here that um that that we sort of saw last year, and five G continues to be a uh, a thing, and that some of the the systems that can enable augmented reality, virtual reality, that sort of thing, yeah. um, and other things. I'm I'm going to predict that uh, that blockchain, whilst it's making a little bit of an appearance this year, I'm going to say that's probably going to be gone by next so year. The interesting the mar- areas. <laughs> the market blockchain- is definitely the, heading that heading yeah, the that way. Interesting areas that blockchain is is trying to get into by the looks of things is in. Uh, repudiation of voting. So they're talking about digital online balloting as oh. being a a. I, I'm sure that they would love to. It, but I, yeah, as, I'm as sure they would love to make that a thing. <laughs> I think the reality is, it it fails. It fails the human test. Um, in other words. S- the number of people that can look at an electronic... This is a whole topic that we could get into for hours. The number of people that could look at an electronic voting system and get confidence that blockchain is going to do the right thing is very small compared to the number of people that can watch their cross be put on... You know, put watch themselves put a cross on ballot paper yeah. and watch that bit of paper go into a box and watch those boxes get emptied at the count and watch and people I think get, the count idea them up. Of- of blockchain as being something secure and a nirvana for that has possibly been tarnished a bit by the number of cryptocurrency uh, companies who've um, scarpered with people's money. Exactly. So I, I, I anyway, predict, other interesting... I predict that that one's going to go away next year. <laughs> other interesting thing that will probably be uh, growing and expanding over the next few years is certainly a lot more stuff around smart home, robotics. Quantum computing is going to be an interesting one. And, Qu- quantum uh, computing, is, I, I think quantum computing is sort of like fusion power, which is that it's it's five years away and has been five years away for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sure that it will get there eventually, just like fusion power. <laughs> um, but I think it's probably going to be quite hard to predict when that's going to happen. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be imminent, at least. And uh, then robotics health, is... <laughs> health, health and wearables and fitness stuff is is a big market and i think everyone is starting to work out that you can't do enough tracking of human health to improve health 
So yep. that's an, a, certainly a growth space. So let's let's start off, uh, and we'll just take a look at some of the uh, the products and technologies that uh, that have popped up so in this uh, are, this year's show. Starting this, off this, in this both is, the health is, health and robotics in one. Yeah. So this is the the innovation award. So every year the CES. Um, give gongs out to people uh, or to companies and organizations who've developed stuff that has actually got into things it's not it's no longer just pie in the sky it is just about ready or is actually available so yes as you said going through things let's start with the bionics uh of uh, an ex exoskeleton from the german company uh bionics now I I love this. They've called it the Cray X, which is a perhaps a little bit of a nod to the uh, to to the supercomputer uh, as well. And it it looks it looks mad. It it looks like an Iron Man uh, costume, <laughs> effectively, except it's real yes. and it's really useful. Um, the idea here is if you're somebody who does particularly a lot of uh, manual labor, maybe you're working in a warehouse or, or a factory or something like that, you're doing a lot of lifting, bending, yep. that can really take its toll on your body. So why not give it a bit of a helping hand? Um, yep. It's a suit that you put on, it goes around your uh, your torso, the top of your legs um, and uh, you know, uh, over your shoulders. And it basically assists your lifting ability. And yeah, it it's can, battery powered. It can basically offset up to thirty kilograms of lifting. Now that's that's amazing because I, if I remember from my my manual handling course at work a, f- a few years back, I seem yeah. to recall that the the most that an adult is meant to lift sort of close to their body directly, you know, the most comfortable position is around thirty thirty five kilos. It's this less is than that. this is doubling the amount yeah. that you can carry. But yes, so certainly it's sort of in the 20 to 25 kilo range is what health and safety say, don't go above that. That's why you'll see a lot of your deliveries say two people as soon as it's more than 20 kilos. So yeah, adding that to a, a person is quite a fi- uh, quite an interesting idea. And, and as you said, anyone who's in the um, sort of warehousing and uh, those areas where you are doing a lift, lot of lifting can benefit from these sort of things. Uh, and of course, it's not just going to be, oh, now you can carry 50 kilos. It means that every time you're carrying 30 kilos, the amount of effort you're having to put in is going to be much less. lower. That means that you can carry on doing that more productively for longer. And so that that's obviously going to be the, the sell to your <laughs> to your manager um, the is that they can get more, more lifts, more carries out of you in a shift. Is the system can monitor how much you're lifting and basically track to make sure you're doing it properly and give you advice and help on improving your ergonomics, so your lifting technique. Interesting. And they can turn it on as a gaming method, a gamification as well, so make it, you know, you score points if you're doing it well. Yes. Uh, what, what is interesting is looking at a couple of the photos on their website, um, there's a couple of examples of, of not great lifting technique. I, I wonder if... <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if it's um, the, yes. that they can claim, oh, now you've got something else assisting you, you can actually get away with that because it's doing all the work or whether, uh, or whether it's, gonna it's going to start bleeping at you. you've done it wrong. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Uh, Interesting stuff. Yeah, mo- moving on to uh, uh, John Deere. And I'm, I, I think this is probably slightly uh, 
sort of pushing the boundaries of what we might call consumer electronics. Um, <laughs> I don't but, know. I'm sure we have a reasonable farming community in East Anglia who would be uh, uh, customers of these sort of tools. Yeah, um, but th this is their new uh, sea and spray technology. So it goes on a tractor, as you might imagine. Uh, and the idea is to more intelligently target where you're putting your fertilizer and weed killer. So rather than just blanketing the field in the stuff, um, it's actually analyzing what's underneath the boom, looking at the you know what's growing there, what's not growing there, and then putting the right amount of the right stuff on as a result. Yep, it can identify the crop. Basically, as as you're seeding, it can identify where the seed has gone and put fertilizer starters for fertilizer straight away in the right place. So you're using less fertilizer, which is always a good thing. Um, but then, yes, as you go over and you uh, do maintenance, it can identify the difference between crops and weeds and treat them accordingly. Very nice. Uh, interestingly, as an aside on the uh, agricultural stuff, um, there was also some fully electric farm machinery coming out. Um, yeah, obviously, we're, we're used to a, a huge rise in electric vehicles. Also, the nice shiny new electric bin lorries that we've got around uh, Cambridgeshire, uh, electric delivery vans. That trend is continuing very much into uh, into the agricultural world as well. And yes. I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, electric John farm equipment. Dear acquired a majority stake in Creasel Electric and that's helping them develop a lot more electric uh, equipment. Uh, they have uh, were showing off an all-electric excavator and uh, they also showed off their new, um, well, their enhanced software and uh, on their autonomous tractor platform. So the hardware stayed the same, but they've increased uh, the reliability and accuracy with software. Very good. Um, an interesting uh, bit of technology that's integrated into uh, things like security cameras um, is uh, Microsystems Korea's electronic self-cleaning glass. So the idea is this goes um, in front of your camera or something along those lines, and it will get rid of any water, it'll get rid of any uh, dirt, grime, anything like that electronically. Yes, very interesting. Um, Drop-free glass is what they're calling it. And it's the world's first electronic self-cleaning technology for optical centres and can basically get rid of uh, contamination from the, from the front of a lens in less than a second using less than a milliwatt of power and do it over a million times in the product lives. So, yeah, fairly... Interesting this stuff. is a this is a pretty different approach because of course we've had yeah for, from the the very low tech mechanical i a windscreen wiper um, to things like hydrophobic coatings so uh, you might have used something like Rainex on your car windscreen to try and uh, let the water droplets run straight off. Um, this is this is taking a completely different approach, isn't it? It's effectively changing the properties of the uh, of the outside surface of the the glass using electricity um, to achieve that effect but in a way that keeps going so rather than having to keep on going up and retreat uh, retreating the surface um, or maintaining a mechanical system you just apply a small amount of electricity to it um, in obviously a suitably controlled way uh, and it should keep going for uh, for the life of the product very interesting stuff. I guess it's going to be technology that will roll into other products and uh, 
Yeah, who knows? Car windscreen that cleans itself automatically. Ooh, that'd be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, display technology, LG was showing off transparent OLED displays. And this is really cool stuff where you can have a display that can hover in midair. You can see through it, but it can then display stuff. And uh, yeah, interesting Interesting as to what this can, can be used for in things like shop fronts, in museums. Museums is a wonderful idea of, of thinking about where you could have a transparent screen in front of an exhibit that can then do you effectively overlays and subtitles and pop-ups over the exhibit. I, I absolutely love this. If this can be pulled off at a reasonable price point, this is a, a game changer from, from a sort of uh, architectural artwork point of view. It's, it's the closest thing we have to a hologram in real life. Yes. Because it, it's, think of a TV which doesn't have no a frame. back. <laughs> it, yes. But it, it's not just sort of uh, printing on glass, it's actually lighting up. So it's, it's giving off light. It's not just acting as, you know, we've had already um, kind of transparent uh, uh, LCDs that you can, you know, effectively selectively block light. This is actually giving off light. Um, I think the the imaginative uses this could be put to are phenomenal. I, you know, all the uses that you've mentioned, but also things like theatrical productions, where at the moment you might project onto uh, a sort of translucent screen or a mesh or something like that. I think this could be absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. I really hope this makes it to market at a you know, at an accessible price. And interestingly, of course, you can make it touch sensitive as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... I mean, it, it is proper sci-fi type displays finally getting into sort of real life. Things like uh, from like of Minor Minority Report where you watch that film and you see Tom Cruise's character walking through retail and there are transparent screens that pop up advertising and so on that just sadly customised to the <laughs> the person walking <laughs> past them. Uh, that's but get, yeah, it is that, it's, it's that in, in real yes. life. Yeah. Very good. Uh, let's Hopefully take a quick break. The, the, the tracking of people type technology. Uh, take a quick break and then find out ooh, what the latest is in the world of coffee at CES 2023. Uh, Cambridge 105 Radio, where you're listening to The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. We're talking about CES 2023, just uh, just happening in Las Vegas. Uh, but some of the cool technology and products that are coming out of that. And we said we were going to talk about coffee. Yes, so uh, these are all the Innovation Award winners and uh, honorees that got a gong from the CES for producing something cool. And this is quite cool. Now, we've all heard about coffee pod machines and espressos, tassimos, and the like. But how about a whole bean capsule system? Now, I'm slightly intrigued by this <laughs> because if you've got whole beans, why do you need capsules? Um, th this sort of... It sort of seems like a, a fussier way <laughs> fussier way of making coffee. So, well, we all know as soon as you expose roasted coffee to air, it starts to degrade. Yes. Um, it, it starts to be less fresh. And as soon as coffee is stale, it's just not as nice if you're brewing it from ground coffee or from beans that you're going to grind. So those of us in the know will tend to keep our ground or our beans in the freezer. Um, ideally in a sealed container because it does mean that the coffee doesn't oxidise, which is what causes it to degrade, and the flavour stays locked in. Doing it in a pod 
means that you're sealing in all that goodness. So this is the Nespresso and the Tassimo's. You ground your coffee, you put it in a pod and sealed it hermetically so that there is no way for oxygen to get into the pod and basically make the coffee go off. Doing it with beans, similar idea. However, you're grinding the beans freshly. So this is the X-Bloom coffee machine um, and the pods will then have beans in them. You'll tip the beans into the machine and it will grind them fresh. Now, the interesting ideas around this are that the pod can have a particular type of roast from a particular provider who can specify things like how they'd like it ground, so what sort of uh, fineness of the grind, what temperature they'd like the water to hit the coffee at, how long the water should flow over it, how long for the bloom, how long for the actual drip, Specify all those things that all the coffee purists know about in the code on the top of the pod. So when you load the pod, the machine is set up for all of that and becomes your digital barista. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say Are you not a, a coffee purist? You're suddenly realizing you're not a coffee <laughs> coffee snob, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just saying the amount of complexity looking at the animations on this thing. <laughs> Yes, you, but it moves things it in around a folder and, and then it moves things around. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bean to cup machine. If I wanted, I could put one cup's worth of beans in the top. Right, that that's the thing it lets me do already. Yeah, I don't have to to scan things and sort of put it here first and then put it there and then it moves to there and then it moves back to there <laughs> and then I have to put the cup under it. It looks way more faff. It than does. It does. It's than also any of it's. It's like the worst of all worlds. It is also of bean to cup versus Nespresso, versus Nespresso versus just doing your own cup of coffee. And I, at at eight hundred dollars for the pre-release price, I think they can keep it. Now, what's interesting is Nespresso have been doing a bit of work on coffee for many years, and what they have come up with now. Um, is carafe pour-over style coffee. So if you have an Espresso Virtuo coffee brewer, you can buy the additional carafe and then you can use the larger capsules to brew a full 535 milliliter carafe of coffee. In other words, two cups worth. Yes, and th this was always something that they kind of... Uh, launched with the the Virtuo system, so this is uh, this uses a different style of capsule to uh, to the classic Nespresso. Um, it would probably be cynical of me to suggest the only reason they wanted to launch a different capsule style was that people uh, cloned the original one and they got their <laughs> patent lawyers to do a better job with the next next generation. Yep. Um, but it does give them some more options. Um, it yes. it actually spins the thing around. They've got more space for more coffee. It does allow these uh, these longer drinks. That does come at a uh, a bit of a, a cost for some, particularly the larger capsules. Um, if you look at ninety nine p each, yeah. Um, so you're getting two cups of coffee for a pound. Yeah, exactly. But it it does mean that they they can better deliver these uh, these longer style coffees. They. Yeah, a lot of the the original espresso capsules effectively claim to be kind of espresso style, or or maybe yeah. the kind of medium sized cup, uh, rather than a full mug of coffee as uh, as you might be used to. And cost wise, at eighty quid for the machine and forty quid for the carafe kit, it's a lot cheaper than <laughs> uh, the, the the next bloom. bloom. Yes. yes.
Got to drink a lot of coffee to make up $800 worth. Um, moving into smartwatches quickly for kids. Uh, this is an interesting idea because, of course, our digital generation are wanting to get in on the idea of a smartwatch, but we might not necessarily want to give them straight away a, an Apple Watch or an Android smartwatch and let them go straight into the full-blown ecosystem. And this is Explorer Technologies who have released the X6 Pro, specifically targeted at kids. Yes, I, I think this is an interesting market segment to watch develop because... Uh, I saw what you did yeah. there. <laughs> it, it's the, it's something that that parents are going to be very conscious of you know what, on the one hand wanting to to give their kids a, a safe introduction to to digital ecosystems at the same time not wanting their children's data to be exploited for yeah. commercial gain yeah we're, we're used in the world of social media and online advertising uh to having a lot of our data used by uh companies for for commercial benefit is that ethical to to do with children's data? I'm going to say probably dubious. <laughs> I think some of the ideas of, of being able to know where your kids are because their watch is telling you is slightly creepy, but I think a lot of parents would go for it just because they can then know where the kids are. Uh, yeah, I, th I think if it, you know if everyone involved is able to and and has consented and it's being used for the purposes that that are made clear i think it's fair you know it's, it's totally reasonable to be able to to want to find your kid in a crowd um or something like that when you know or know, know if they're at school when they're supposed to be at school yeah where, where, when you as the parent have control over that data when your kid knows that you have that data um if they're at an age where they can understand that i that that's totally fine the problem obviously is that the risk of that data going into hands that it shouldn't be um is yeah the the damage there is potentially quite uh, quite serious so definitely a, an area we need to be a bit careful of yep explorer available from um well the xx play available from explorer.co.uk for 180 quid the they have got some specific sim plans that are kid suitable for kids uh, about 90 quid a year Interesting. Well, that is just some of the uh, technology that was uh, launched at CES 2023. Uh, of course, plenty more to it, um, as well as all the usual white goods, televisions, um, you know, gaming consoles and so on. Fridges um, and washing machines. Yeah, fr fridges and washing machines. Yes, there's still exciting stuff that can be done in, the, uh, in that department as well. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with the next episode of The Gadget Guide. Let's raise up after the news at seven. Cambridge 105 Radio.